millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Today's topic, A Family Starts Over in Tarpon Springs. In honor of the holiday, and Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate, Lane is going to read a Christmas story. So this one was from three years ago. I'm turning it over. Yeah, I was. I'm always looking for holiday stories, so I was really happy when she this, loves holiday this one stories. Happened. Um, okay, it's it's set in Tarpon Springs. I have a present for you. The boy called to his mom. He bounded off the school bus and jumped into her arms. It's in my backpack, and it's real. In their tiny apartment, the first grader set his Ninja Turtle backpack on the sofa, then stood beside the Christmas tree that filled the front window. This is Andrea's first Christmas tree. It's the first one for his mom, Amalnikal, 42, too. In Egypt, even those who were brave enough to have Christmas trees hid them away from windows so no one would know they were Christian. A new friend had given Amal the old synthetic tree and reassured her that in America, it's safe to set it where everyone can see. Andrea, seven, had cut colored paper into shapes, sprinkled glitter, glued together popsicle stars. That afternoon, he rearranged his homemade ornaments into a circle on the front of the tree. Then he unzipped his backpack and pulled out a clear bag tied with the ribbon. Here, he said, handing it to his mom. Be careful, this could really break. They'd been happy in Egypt, all together in their apartment in Alexandria. Andrea's dad was an accountant, strong and kind. His mom taught 10-year-olds at a nearby school. Andrea spent time with aunts, uncles, and cousins who lived nearby. Then, three years ago, one of Amal's students found out she was a Coptic Christian. The student's father started harassing her about her religion and making threats. She was walking home from her mother's house when he grabbed her long hair and pounded his fists into her head. As soon as she recovered, her husband said, You have to go, you and Andrea. They had talked about it for so long. Three times they had applied for visas to leave Egypt. On the fourth try, Amal had obtained permits for herself and Andrea. Her husband was still waiting. She didn't want to leave him behind. She wasn't sure she could journey to a new country where she barely spoke the language and start over with a three-year-old boy who wouldn't understand why they had to leave his dad, everyone and everything he knew. But her husband convinced her she and their son were no longer safe. She packed two small suitcases, clothes for herself and Andrea, her wedding photo. No jewelry, no toys. She traveled by bus with the boy three hours to Cairo, where they hid with her husband's aunt until Amal could buy plane tickets. They landed in Amsterdam, then Atlanta, 
and arrived in Pensacola where her husband's friend knew someone. They stayed with the family there, but Amal couldn't find work. Someone suggested Pennsylvania, so they traveled there, but it was much too cold. By the time she returned to Florida, all the money she had brought was gone. She had no car, no school for her son. At night, in the room they shared, Andrea heard his mother sobbing. He cried, too. When is Baba coming? Every time he saw an airplane, he thought it was bringing his dad. At St. Verena Coptic Orthodox Church in Newport Ritchie, and through Coptic Orthodox Charities in Clearwater, Amal found friends, other Egyptians with similar stories, a place she could worship without being afraid, and a preschool where her Arabic-speaking son could converse with other children and learn English. Someone gave her a used car. Someone gave her an old crib. Someone gave her a single bed and battered mattress. She dropped the side of the crib and slid it against the bed so she can curl next to Andrea while he sleeps. A few months ago, when Andrea started first grade at Sutherland Elementary, he and his mom moved into Tarpon Springs' apartment with a big living room window. While he's in school, she works part-time at TJ Maxx, where she can't afford any of the clothes. Every evening, she calls her husband in Egypt. Andrea tells his dad about playing football in P.E., losing a tooth, watching Scooby-Doo. He always says, I love you. When will you be here? Andrea's dad still can't get a visa. His mom just got her asylum status approved. But immigration, told her, uh, immigration officials told her it could take three years for her husband to even get an interview. So much waiting. So much paperwork. So many agencies and problems. She still can't get medical coverage or food stamps. It will be okay, she keeps telling her son. We are safe. Kids at school told Andrea about Santa. Just tell him what you want and he brings it. He saw the jolly big man on TV. He thought he saw him at Walmart, but when he pulled Santa's beard, it came off. He told his mom, that was a fake Santa. Later, his mom said her friend had called and given her the real Santa's phone number. She had saved it on her phone. Andrea can call any time. Can Santa bring Baba? Andrea asked. Blinking back tears, his mom shook her head. Andrea started planning his list to tell Santa. An Xbox, or a Wi-Fi, or both. Video games, Batman, Pokemon, car racing. Soccer shoes, extra spiky, size one. A remote control car. No, no, wait. A remote control plane, like the one that will bring his dad. As he recited his list, his mom hung her head, wondering how she could afford even one of those wishes. Open it, open it, the boy squealed to his mom that afternoon beside the tree. He stood beside her, grinning. I made it, but it's real. Amal untied the ribbon and slowly eased out her gift. Thank you, she said. Oh, thank you. She unwrapped the tissue paper and saw the glint of a scarlet glass ball with a small, sparkly handprint holding it. That's my hand. I painted it, Andrea shouted. But look, it's not paper. It's real. He hung it on the tree in the center of the ornaments and stepped back to look at his creation. It's perfect, said his mom, ruffling his thick, dark curls. And I love it. I love you. When a woman from Coptic Charities came to visit, Andrea showed her the ornament and asked about Santa. His mom wasn't going to ask for anything. All she wants is my dad. But could he ask Santa for some stuff for his mom? Would that work if she didn't ask him herself? I think so, said the woman. What did your mom need? A bed. A big new bed he could share with his mom so they could stretch out together. I'm too big for a crib, he said. And that bad mattress hurts her back. Sheets and pillows? Maybe a blanket? Something new that's not old. A shower curtain, so the bathroom doesn't get all wet. 
towels that aren't torn. Silverware, so there would be enough forks to feed friends. And good clothes for Mama. Beautiful clothes. Lots of dresses and some high heels that are glass like a princess. And I could get prince clothes. Clothes to make me look like a prince with a crown. And we could wear them when Baba comes. And Mama would be so beautiful. That story made me so sad. That little boy was so sweet. Yeah. He, um, it just made me feel for, I mean, it, it made me want to go sign up to help refugees. <laughs> Didn't it? That's how I got the story. I'd been talking to the woman who was um, in charge of asylum seekers in this area and uh, asking her if there were any new residents who were celebrating their first Christmas here. Hmm. And she told me about this family. And were they, did they, I mean, they even know, have any idea? I mean, it was okay? For, did they were open to you doing the story, obviously? Or did you have to talk them into it? Yeah, they weren't really sure what I was talking about. <laughs> and, and they were really worried about um, retribution against the husband, you know, back in um, Egypt. So the woman from Coptic Charities really talked them into saying, it's okay to give your names. It's okay to put your pictures in there, you know. Yeah. Um, so how much time and effort was involved in this one? I think I spent a week or two trying to find the right family and and making sure they were in on it. Um, But I reported it in a day, hanging out at their house. Um, Yeah, a day. And then I wrote it in a day. You didn't know that that was going to happen that day. That he was going to bring home an ornament? Yeah. No, no. no, We just wanted to go meet them and like see their Christmas tree. So that unfolds. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's a little narrative thread. Like, what can I make people wonder about? Like, what's in his package? You know, he was this, the mom was, um, as you can tell, there's not a lot of quotes from the mom. Mm-hmm. She was very shy and reticent, um, and her English wasn't very great. But this little kid was amazeballs. He was just so communicative, and he was so much protective of his mom, which, you know, I don't I don't know a lot of first graders who, like, want to protect their mom like that, you know, and, and it was so, he was adorable. So you had no idea you were going to center it around this gift? No. And you were just sort of looking for... Because you, you do. You love holiday stories. I was looking for something different. Yeah. And the first time they can celebrate Christmas, like, I didn't realize how behind the scenes Coptic Christians had to be. I mean, I'd read the stories about all the bombings at the churches and stuff like that, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize they were all, they were like hiding, you know, right. they had to hide. So wait, so back up. How did you find, so you were looking for something and you, did you, you sought out a refugee that this would be their first Christmas in America? Exactly. That was the idea. And then did you have choices or was this the only... This is the one that got offered up. This is the one that the, if they ultimately agreed to be part of it. A lot of them were so um, private and mm-hmm. worried about things still happening to them once they were here mm-hmm. uh, or didn't want to, like, out themselves in the community, you know, like, let other people know where they'd come from. So did you know, I mean, did you, when you were, heard the little story with his back and forth with the lady about Santa and mom, did you did you feel like, okay, I know where I'm going to take this? Yeah. She, uh, the Coptic Christian lady, you know, the Coptic Charities lady wanted to come and be part of the story. And I was kind of <laughs> like, oh, no, I hope she doesn't show up and ruin it. And she actually made it, you know, because the way she, in a, and that, I mean, that's what was lesson to me too, right? Like, like the interaction when this lady came really kind of made the story. Because um, first she thought she was going to babysit you. Right. Or, or just like do spout platitudes or something that she wanted to do. Or interrupt my conversation yeah. or my interview or whatever, yeah. Yeah. But so, and did he know her or they just sort of picked up while you were there? No, he knew her. He yeah, because she had kind of helped them resettle, you know. Um, she, she was involved in their transition and getting them the old bed and the broken mattress and all that jazz. So I, I know this probably because of your personality, but like, how do you make a kid kind of relax around a stranger and an adult stranger? Because I mean, you know, they're used to the parents and teachers and stuff, but like, 
did what do you do? Do you do anything special for children? I asked him to show me his room. I kind of started out like, take me on a tour and show me your room. So let, um, not about coming from Egypt and all that. You don't start no, with the heavy stuff. You just, just like, show like, me okay. around, dude. You know, be, be my tour guide here. And and we sat on the floor. I think working with kids, especially, it's, I love to sit on the floor because you're like much more at their level, you know. Um, and I'm sure in his room, you're taking in everything about him and trying to kind of register what's important to him. Well, and that was the first thing I noticed. The kid's in first grade. He's sleeping in a crib. Right. You know, and um, so, yeah, I don't think I would have thought to ask that, you know, like, do you have a bed? <laughs> but, and the other thing, I didn't put this in the story, but they didn't have any toilet paper. Oh, my gosh. And I realized that's because they couldn't afford it. And oh. that made me so sad. Like, I, I never thought about, like, the expense of toilet paper had never occurred it's to me. Yeah. And I, so that was like, that was, you know, my irreverent tip, go to the bathroom in someone's house. I realized they didn't have a shower curtain. I realized they had all these old to- towels and they didn't have any toilet paper. Uh, so what do you, but they got a lot of love after this story. I was going to say, cause then there's I mean, that, there's that tension between like, I would love to just run over there and go get a, a pack of toilet paper. But what happened after? Did, and like, did you hear about it from them or did you just like, what did people start reaching out to you? The Coptic charities lady said, Oh my God, he got like nine bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> All these people wanted to help him out after the story came. And, uh, so that was, the, and the, the mom got sh- new sheets and they got silverware and like a lot of people rallying. I mean, when your wants are so small, right. you know what I mean? It's like you could make such a huge difference, but it is hard. I, I hate that as a journalist. Like, what would it take for me to go, you right. know, buy her some sheets and towels and a shower curtain? You know, I would love to be able to do that. But being able to know that that happens because of the story is also really gratifying. So that detail. So it's interesting. Okay. The toilet paper. Um, why didn't you put it in? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I don't know. I, I think. I'm not saying you should have. No, no, I'm just, I know. I'm, just I'm, curious. I'm trying to remember that I chose not to do that for a reason. And I think it was more to. That I didn't need that piece of it to point out their poverty. Mm-hmm. Um. And I didn't want people, I didn't want readers thinking, like, how do they wipe their butts? Like, I didn't, <laughs> you didn't want to distract them? Want, yeah, I didn't want to move in that, in that moment to, like, get them out of this, the, the scene, you know? Um, so, who else? And they didn't ask for toilet paper, you right. know? He was asking for towels and a shower curtain and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. he didn't mention that. So, I felt like that was me, and, and I didn't want to come off as being judgmental or weird about that either you know like i was almost thinking you'd like pull the kid aside and go hey when you're at school grab a roll <laughs> bring it home <laughs> they won't miss it um and so okay did you who did you interview for the, you, the boy the mom did you the charities lady the charities lady first i had a two lady and a half for- hour lunch with her about oh, wow. the, the process of how do they get here what kind of visas do they get what's the problem been she um she was cautioning me not to ask the mom too many details about the persecution that they'd suffered because it would re-traumatize her. So I was trying to figure out how to, like, you, you have to say in the story, like, why they came here and what right. happened. But she didn't want to go into, 
many details about that. You know, I didn't get to interview the dad. I'd wanted to interview the dad. I didn't get to do that. Um, but the kid, you know, he carried it. Like I wasn't sure going over there. Like the, the Coptic charities woman had said, this kid's awesome. You know, you're going to love this kid. Um, and, and I just loved the way he learned about who Santa was and what he thought Santa was or was doing. Cause you know, our kids have grown up with that since they were right. able to know there was a world. They knew there was a Santa Claus. Um, and this little kid was just, can you bring dad? You know, that was the heartbreaking moment. Like, mm-hmm. Can I ask him to bring my dad? I was like, Oh, Oh man. And so, yeah. So you knew going in that he w- he might be the guy to center it around, not her. As soon as I met him. Yeah. 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 Um, what do you do with a character who's kind of a dud? Like, so I'm not saying she was a dud, but I'm saying like you get there and, and she, (laughs) is it just the matter of like you behave for somebody else who's going to be the focus? Yeah. I I wasn't sure she was so hesitant and afraid. I didn't want to make anything worse for her. You know what I mean? Um, but you could tell that little kid ran the family anyway. (laughs) You know, he was just such a little dynamo. Do you do you have any idea how they're doing now? Do you have I no? I don't. I've not kept up. With okay. them, unfortunately, um, uh, it's wait. Then you volunteered for the Christmas assignment, yes? Oh yeah, Sorry. I'm always looking for Christmas stories, <laughs> holiday stories. Yeah, I think like that's one of those things that I think people run from after a few years. You know, they don't want to do them anymore. But you like, what is it you like about them? You like the the ritual. You like the the sense of intimacy you get from people at a, at a time like that. Both of those, but I also feel like you know. Every reader who's home on Christmas with their own family doing their own thing deserves to have a little bright story that makes them think or feel or put things in perspective. I mean, I feel like this story, I was hoping at least that this story would reach all the people in the million-dollar condo penthouses who were buying their children thousands of dollars worth of games oh, and toys. you were to trying say, to make a statement. Put something in perspective, people, yeah. you know. I, I, I think I, I like to make people feel on the holidays and I think people definitely have the feels on holidays right. you know so if there's somebody that can get something good out of it no one was asking you know but it definitely made you feel that like, you know reading it and thinking about like oh my god it's so, like we do we you know when you have means and you're able to put a lot of toys under the Christmas tree and then your kids play with a box or you know <laughs> like you think uh you're overdoing it and like really um there are people who like this little boy, what 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 they're asking for? I mean, it, uh, it does yeah, bring perspective. The next year, we went to a um, a senior center where they put wishes up on a tree. You know, they had each one of them had a little angel on the tree, and there were people who needed all kind of big things and help and whatever. And then this one man just wrote, "I need a pair of clean socks," and I was like, "Oh, dude, that's my story." <laughs> like, you know, the people who want a new like living room set or new you know million dollar hiking boots, and this guy wanted a pair of clean socks. And it's like. I think it makes, I hope it makes readers feel as grateful as I did reporting it and writing it that like realize you have it pretty good, you know. We almost talked about one of the stories we did together on, on, on Lane and Maria, uh, the, the first version, um, was a, uh, when we worked together in Virginia, was about, a, Lane went with a family to cut their Christmas tree. And um, just sort of like a ride along, we'll see where what comes of it. But the best part was that you went all the way home with them. And then they put the tree up 
And then they take out all the ornaments. And as they're going through the ornaments, they're telling you the story behind the ornaments. And then suddenly this ritual becomes about the way that we mark our lives and, you know, the important milestones in our lives. And, you know, here's baby's first ornament. Here's the ornament for the dog. And here's, here's the reason that we have this one. And, and they really are. There's something special about those stories that feel like they're, um, even the fact that we choose to make them stories, even the fact that we slow down and say, okay, it's not all just, uh, you know, the latest crash or the latest impeachment hearing or whatever the hell's going on that we stop to sort of take note of life and ritual. And they're so universal, you know, and I think that's the thing about holidays is they kind of make you take time out of your busy, crazy life and world and stop and sit back what matters or what's important, you know? Right. So any of you guys out there, feel free to steal that idea. Someone decorating their Christmas tree really makes a great narrative story. Every single ornament has something it means, whether it's like the little macaroni, you know, Christmas tree thing they built or the little first grade puzzle piece photo they had or this family, I think, had a a son who was deployed in Afghanistan and they had his little thing. They weren't sure if he was going to come home you know, it's like each one has a little meaning and it. it was an afternoon of my life. It didn't take any kind of time commitment, you know. Okay, so hopefully, uh, again, Merry Christmas. Hope you all are having a lovely day. Um, if you have any questions for Lane about this story or any others, or you want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Marta Asensio Ryan. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.